Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. Really excited for today's guest. We have Jason, uh, Jason Lorber with us, and he has quite the background. I actually met him uh, through LinkedIn. We were talking about the, uh, the Moravian study, which has to do with what everybody quotes is uh, the majority of conversations uh, of is nonverbal. Uh, so we were actually talking about that. And so we jumped on the call and, and he's a really smart guy. Uh, has an MBA from Stanford. He's also a comedian, uh, which he opened up for uh, Joan Rivers. And he was also in government. He was in the Vermont uh, House of Representatives. So quite the background. And what we're going to talk about today is uh, change management and company culture. So we're going to be talking about team building, communications, uh, employee engagement, and everything kind of around there. It's going to be a great episode, and I hope you learn a lot. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Jason, welcome. Adam, good to see you. Really excited to have you on here. Um, I, I kind of gave everybody a, a high-level overview of, of who you are, but uh, I think that's really high-level. Level. Uh, can you <laughs> explain who you are and, and why? what kind of background you have? Oh, Adam, I have so many layers. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just say um, that, that, was, that was a good overview. So I have a, a mix of business, comedy, and performing as well as legislative background. Um, and I'm an entrepreneur. So I have my own consulting practice that I started out of business school. And I love it. I love helping companies and entrepreneurs, as well as nonprofits. I, I work in that space as well. Wow, terrific. All right. So so let's talk about, you know, when you and I were talking uh, after the online debate on, on the Morphium study, we, we got into <laughs> Moravian. a conversation. Moravian. Yeah, Morphium. Yes. What am I thinking? <laughs> Some of the people might have been on Morphium, but yeah, it was a Moravian study. <laughs> Freudian slip, maybe. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, we started talking about uh, company culture and change right. management. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's something I'd really like to discuss with you today. Uh, and it's a really... It's a really wide subject. I would say, where where do you start as a company with this? Well, I start with my philosophy, and maybe it's my own personal quirk that I don't like being told what to do. And most people I know don't like being told what to do. But if you're the leader of an organization, particularly a small startup company, and you see that we need to change our culture or we need to get people on the same page when, they're, when they have different thoughts and have different avenues, or you're trying to change some sort of business practice that you have. Maybe this worked when you were in very tiny startup part, but now you're growing and you're getting to the next chapter in your company's life. How do you get people to change when the only person you can change is yourself? And I'm going to repeat that. 
The only person you can change is yourself. And a lot of people don't recognize that in their personal life or their business life, <laughs> but it's true. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of times people try to force change. And what happens when you force change is you might get a blip or a reaction from um, uh, a staff member or your spouse <laughs> or uh, someone in your life, but it's not going to stick. And they will either consciously subvert you either directly or in a passive aggressive way, or they will find ways of going back to their old behavior. And the trick is in order to be successful in a sustainable way of creating change, you need to get the people who are responsible for implementing that change to design it. And so that's that our company vision is okay. that all employees are fully engaged to create change and our mission is to help leaders empower their teams. And we use that through strategic planning, team building, communications, and executive coaching. And what does that mean, though? What, how, do, how do you go about and design the change? So the first, the first point is you need to have a clear vision of what it is you're trying to accomplish. That comes often from leadership, usually from the CEO, but also you want to make sure that everyone shares that vision and shares it in a very urgent way. John Cotter, K-O-T-T-E-R, is a brilliant leader on change management. He's a professor. He's written many books um, and talks about an eight-step process. And one of the first steps is creating a sense of urgency that people need to say, we need to change. There needs to be that need. And if people aren't aligned around the why, why are we doing this? Then they're gonna have resistance. And you need to make sure that people understand if we don't change, our competitors are gonna kill us, or we're not gonna make our sales quotas, or you're not gonna stay around at this company <laughs> if you don't personally change, or, um, we're just not going to be able to accomplish our underlying mission, which might be about sales in the bottom line, or it might be about a greater cause. So we need to get everyone aligned around that change. Management needs to be able to articulate that in a sentence. And a lot of times people say, well, we don't worry about a sentence. We're going to have a whole page. We're going to you know, <laughs> talk about it for five minutes. If you can't articulate it in a clear simple way, then how are you going to expect everyone else to be driving in that same direction? If you really don't have that roadmap of that destination. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's interesting. I, today, earlier today, I was a keynote speaker, uh, online keynote speaker, whatever you call that. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and I was explaining to everybody about messaging and talking about messaging for sales yeah. as, for, as it pertains to sales. And I said a very similar thing to what you're saying. If you can't explain who you help, what you do, and the value you bring in one sentence, then you can't, you don't understand it well enough. Exactly. And, and I know that from doing stand-up comedy, where I would have to hone in on what's the funny part of this joke? And can I lose the other bits and pieces? And even on the punchline, what is the word that's going to make people laugh? Mm -hmm. And how do I get that word to be the last word of the joke. 
but also when I was a legislator and I would have bills that I was trying to get support from other of my colleagues, other legislators to get their votes or to get their support and getting it out of committee or getting the attention that it needed. I have to sell it in one sentence, sometimes mm -hmm. less than that. So if I have this bill and I was working on this bill called the, uh, what was it? The, um, the, uh, a, a, it was a system of agricultural um, economic benefit. And I'm like, mm -hmm. we need a name for this. This is, I, I can't catch people as they're running through the hall. And I said, how about farm to plate? Farm to plate, everyone understood. Oh yeah, I support that, absolutely. Now, yeah. obviously, there's more complex conversations, <laughs> but if you can't get your staff and your team to understand, we need to be nimble. Okay, we have to be nimble. So now, what does that mean? All right, we'll go there. But first, we have to be nimble. If we're not nimble, we're going to lose our customers. Uh, we're going to lose to our competitors. So then you have a discussion with your team. You, you bring them together. And you get everyone brainstorming and saying, what does it mean to be nimble? Or what does it mean to have excellent customer service? But let's go back to nimble. That's very simple. So then people can have examples. And you write them on the board or you have a brainstorming exercise, um, break into groups, however you do it. And then people can come forward with their own ideas. And then from there, you go on from a brainstorm and then you make them into actionable ideas with particular KPIs, key performance indicators, or um, or specific ways to measure, are we being nimble? How are we going to know that we're nimble? But so first, you been, have to start with that. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. We no, be nimble. That's, that's, your one, that's the one sentence? We need to be nimble? Absolutely. Or, okay. or, or it might be uh, time to market. Our time to market mm -hmm. needs to be a lot faster. We need to get time to market in a week from concept to delivery or gotcha. whatever the metric is. Okay. Um, but, and so I'll go in with the CEO and, and we'll say, okay, so what is the actual key thing that matters? What is the metric that matters? What are you trying to accomplish? And oftentimes there's a lot of conversation because they might have a fuzzy idea of what that means. Well, if it's fuzzy to them, it's impossible for the staff to achieve that. So we'll go in and we'll hone. What's the joke? What's the word? How do we get to that? And how do we end on that word? Yeah. And so um, it's comedy and business. Uh, but the <laughs> fundamental issue of the message is the same. And if you can't communicate your ideas to your people, then you can't get them on board. But let's say that you have that idea of we need time to market in one week. Okay. What are all the things we need to do to get there? Actually, let me back up. Before we get there, we need to check with everyone and say, does everyone understand why that's important? Does anyone have reservations about that? Some people might say, well, if we're doing it in one week, oh, God, how do we, how do we protect the quality? Okay, great. Let's write that up. Let's make sure we, ha we have quality on the board. Uh, what else are your concerns? Um, some people might say, I don't really see that. I don't see our competitors doing that. Well, let's let's look at the evidence. Can someone do some research on that? Tell me, let, let's do some sleuthing and figure out how real is this? But let's say you get to the point where people are saying, okay, so now we're on the same page. 
that if they're not on the same page, don't even don't even think about going to the next step. Yeah. But once they're bought into, yes, that is critical. Okay, now I'm the CEO. I can't say, and this is how we're going to do it. You do this, you do that. This person does that. No, they're going to say, don't tell me how to do my job. I know how to do this my job. This isn't a dictatorship. <laughs> right. <laughs> because th then, then you put yourself in 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 the position of parent to all these people and it's now my responsibility to follow up and nudge nudge them and check up on them and nag them no i want them to own it you come to me and you tell me how are we going to do this yeah. and it may be that someone can say well i can help in this way but i need this piece from the marketing team or i need this piece from the product development side and frankly, they're not returning my calls. Yeah. Okay, so now we've got some conflicts. And now we can understand this is what it's going to take to work together. I love this. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's exactly sales as well. I mean, what, you, what you're saying is, is first get the objections out on the table and clear them up before you proceed. And you need to be right. doing that in your sales process as well. But it's so important here. And then I, I love how you're, you know, this is something I've always viewed as, as being a manager get other people involved. Don't tell them what to do. They're, they're not your slaves. They're, you're a team. And so get them involved, get their opinions, have them help. Right. And even if, if you feel like, well, there's a hierarchy, I'm paying them, so they should do what I say. Mm. Is, is that, is that the sort of environment that they want to be in? Are, you know, maybe you could provide enough compensation that they'll be like, <laughs> you know what? I don't care. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. But what if they have an idea that's better than your idea? Yeah. So another concept that I, I talk to leaders about, as I say, which would you rather have happen? Would you rather to take your A plus idea and have your staff implement it? Or would you like them to implement their B plus idea? Yeah. Some people could say, well, I want the A plus idea, of course, but <laughs> maybe it's better if they implement their own idea. A B plus is pretty good. It's not yeah. excellent like an A plus, but you have a good sense that they'll do it. And then you can always improve it along the way. You can always turn it into an A plus. Turn it into an A plus. And also for leaders who have a little bit of humility, they might recognize, well, I could be wrong. Yeah. I could think my idea was brilliant, but <laughs> that was my idea, and I haven't heard their objections yet. But once you have a conversation, you say, listen, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, I want time to market in one week, or it could even be you know, something more quantifiable. I want a 12% increase in sales or in profitability, or whatever the metric is, but I'm gonna leave it to my staff to figure out how that works. Yeah. And you're still CEO, so you still get a, get a look at their plans and say, hmm, I'm not sure I understand how that's gonna work. Can you explain it to me until I get to a place where you're, you've convinced me? That's fine, but don't tell them what to do. Yeah. I th and I think I, I love the idea of the B plus idea versus the a, your A plus idea, 
because it's also, uh, I think it's uh, Alaska Airlines or it's one of the airlines that was famous for uh, saying that, you know, the employees come first. I mean, uh, several companies have done this, but there's one airline in particular. And Absolutely. when, you, that's, when that's your employees another... are, yeah, when your employees are happy, you're going to get more sales. You're going to grow your business because everybody's happy and it, and it and it shows and it shows as a more competent company. Right. And that, that's a very common mistake that that leaders think, well, the customer comes first. Like, no, the employees come first and it's their job to make sure that the customers come first. The customers come first before um, profits, yeah. certainly, um, if you want it to have lasting success, but not before <laughs> your staff. You've hired great staff. I mean, they're really amazing staff. And if they're not, then that's an issue you need to address. <laughs> it's um, a whole other story. <laughs> but but if they are amazing, then why are you not trusting them? Yeah. And so a lot of times when we look at change in an organization, and change can be uh, we're going to do something differently, or change could be we, we want to do something new, that leaders need to recognize that if they want everyone around them to act differently, there's something common to that, and that, that they're all around you, maybe we need to change you. And maybe, you know, and I've had leaders say, oh, people need to take on more responsibility. Like, okay. <laughs> so are you, one, giving that them that autonomy? Are you giving them the the feedback that they need and the direction that they need to succeed and what happens when they fail because if they fail and you fire them <laughs> um then that's a pretty strong message that they're not going to go out on a limb they're not going to be innovative they're not going to try new things and be creative yeah um and they're not going to take on that ownership. They're going to be checking in with you all the time. Is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? It's like, why are they always checking in with me? Oh, because you fired them. <laughs> I had one scared CEO for the job. <laughs> tell me, tell me, but I don't. I only fired one person. I'm like, yeah. but you did it. <laughs> yeah, and you did it in a pretty vocal way. Yeah. So was it, it wasn't for... like, oh, this person wasn't working out. It was. No, I asked them to do something. They didn't do it um, the way that I wanted them to do it. Okay, so then how are you providing the culture and the atmosphere so that people can feel like they can take um, responsibility? Yeah, I think it's it's hugely important. I was a part of a team several years back uh, where the CEO was, you know, all the time, just every time you would walk into his office, He's always got YouTube open and he's always, you know, just watching videos and, and never really working. And he would openly <laughs> joke about it. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Uh, yeah. He would openly joke about it, which is just weird. But then the most of the team, most of the company was, it was just, there's so much raw talent in there, but they were all just sitting comfortably collecting a paycheck wow. and never so really he wasn't excelling. watching the, he wasn't watching the video on self-awareness. No. And the image that he's projecting and you know, authentic in the workplace. Um, he he yeah. was shocked when I came to uh, give him my letter of resignation. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, that should be a light bulb that, oh, wait, what just happened here? Let's have a, let's institute some exit interviews, not with yeah. him, but with either an HR person or someone from outside the firm that can give anonymous feedback. That's the other thing is when you're having a shift in your culture and for any organization, Creating or changing culture is the hardest and most important part of any organization. And culture, we can go on and on about, about what, what culture means, but it's basically the way things are done. And oftentimes, it, when culture is deeply embedded, you don't even notice it. Yeah. People from the outside come in, they're like, wow, that's your culture. Like, oh, I, I had no idea. Um, that's where it's very helpful to bring in someone from the outside to help facilitate that because a CEO won't necessarily know his or her own blind spots. And also that when the CEO is in the room, particularly when they're leading the conversation, the rest of the staff kind of shrinks back and says, mm -hmm. okay, Oh, what are we doing? All right. I'll just listen. I'm not going to put myself out there because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be the next one to get fired. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and oftentimes when I've worked with organizations, the CEO will say to me, and sometimes we'll even script it ahead of time, <laughs> that'll say, you know what? I'm really enjoying this process and I'm trusting this group. And I'm going to say, that I'm going to step out for a little bit and I want you guys to have a discussion without me. And I'm going to tell Jason who's leading this conversation or whoever, but really Jason's the best is to say, <laughs> don't, don't tell me, I mean, please tell me what happened, but don't tell me who said what. Yeah. And so being able to, to say for leadership, leadership is about stepping back as a way to stepping up. Yeah. That if you want your people to rise to the challenge, you can't be blocking them. You can't be taking up that space, but you can provide the vision and you can work on building the right team and giving them the resources they need to do their job. And that's the role of a leader. Those three things, the vision, the people and the resources. But when the leader starts doing the work and telling people how to do the work they're no longer leading they're managing yeah and we'd rather have leaders than managers absolutely i always felt that my job as a manager was to work for the guys my team I, will, I would always come in and say guys what can i do to help you what can i take off of your plate so you could do your job better Excellent. I love it. Yeah. I, and I think it's so, so important because I've seen so many managers uh, as you know, I'm here in Israel and especially here, the mentality is kind of, you know, more uh, militaristic. And so there's a lot of like orders given and, and it's such a tough, uh, for me, I work really poorly in that kind of situation. <laughs> but Israel also has a lot of innovation and a lot of thinking outside the box to the extent yeah. that sometimes there isn't a box <laughs> and people don't know how to follow 
protocols and procedures. They're just going to wing it all on their own, which leads to tremendous creativity and innovation. And because Israelis know how to give orders, but they don't know how to follow orders. (laughs) (laughs) So like you said, there's a lot of innovation because I don't care what you say. I'm going to do this. It's that kind of mentality. You can't tell me no. I'm. I'll. I'll do it. And, and they will. And they'll get. They'll get the work done, which is pretty yeah. exciting about them. Um, yeah. But but there, there's there's lots of give and take. Whereas in American culture, in American business culture, it's hard to create an environment where people are truly innovative, where managers are truly giving people accolades for failing. Because they said, well, we've learned so much from that failure. Yeah. As opposed to you failed, you're out. And there's certain environments when that works and certain industries where you don't want to have failure, um, like the post office or um, a medical hospital. But if you're developing drugs for the hospital or you're developing machines that should be used by the post office, that's where you want innovation and creativity. So they're two very different environments. And as a CEO, you need to be clear about what, what kind of environment are we in? How much do we want to be celebrating innovation? And how much do we want to make sure that there's no errors, which is more important if, if you have to pick on that, on that spectrum and then design your culture to make sure that it's in sync with that. And if that's not your core competency of understanding culture and understanding people, then bring in a consultant who can help you with that. Um, Because maybe your expertise is, I am really great at biomedical devices, or I'm really great at um, high-tech Schottky diodes, okay? (laughs) So that's your expertise. Um, don't fool yourself into thinking, oh, and then the people part, I can just wing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what would you say would be your three biggest tips to uh, a manager wanting to go into a leader? How do you make that switch? And what would be like the three biggest things you could work on to make that improvement? I would say get a mentor, uh, someone whose leadership style um, you emulate. And that could be a coach or it could be someone within your company. It could be someone outside of your company. But, But be very mindful of what you're trying to accomplish and sometimes having an example or having someone to help you through that can be very powerful. Um, number two, I would say embrace a growth mindset. And we say growth mindset is the opposite of a fixed mindset. Don't say I can, you know, these are my skills. That's all I've got versus I can always be learning Yeah. and be, be wary of people who call themselves experts because it sounds like they've arrived and they're there and they're perfect as opposed to, oh, I'm always learning more. I always want to, to, to go to the next level. And third, hmm, a third, uh, I would say 
just keep investing in yourself and take opportunities to to reflect on where you want to be and how you're going to get there and then work on that. That's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) It is a hard one, but it's, but it's also something that, you know, if, if you have a great mentor or if you have a great coach, they can help you with those steps and break it down one part at a time. You don't want to do it all at once, but all of us, myself included, you know, I'm always looking at ways that I can be better at this or better at that. And I try to, you know, just focus on one, one aspect a month and say, okay, what do I want to work on? Do I want to keep with the same project that I've been working on or am I ready to shift to another one? Yeah. And incrementally we get better. One wow, step baby, baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> baby steps, exactly. But, but baby steps that, that um, you know, we stack them up and, and after you do it, you know, every single day, you build your strength and you build upon past successes and you, you get pretty far. You know, I, I have a, a sticker right here that I heard from somebody else and, and it's their quote. And this is what I look at every day. And I don't know for those that are watching this on video, it's, <laughs> it's hit singles, singles, not home runs. Uh-huh. And, yes. and that's exactly the philosophy I try to keep telling myself because I keep wanting to go for the home runs. And, you know, that takes a lot more work, a lot more effort, has a higher chance of failure. Whereas in that same amount of time, you could have hit like 20 singles. Uh, so really good. Uh, yeah. Really good. And I'm a huge, huge soccer fan, so that really resonates with me. <laughs> so try to find a soccer analogy for next conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that wasn't soccer? Oh, wait. <laughs> Something like that. Cricket or, you know, work on, those with yeah. these days. Great. Jason, uh, there feels like we could sit here and talk for like another couple hours uh, and dive in deeper. Uh, but I really appreciate your time and, and sharing with us. Uh, how could people reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing? So they could visit my website, aplum.com, or drop me an email, jlorber at aplum.com, um, or check me out on LinkedIn. Excellent. And I'll put a link to your LinkedIn uh, in the show notes for the uh, podcast. So anybody can just one click. Excellent. Really appreciate it. Thanks again, Jason. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io. 